0: This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences will show us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. The year was 1964, and the stakes couldn't have been higher. This was the last and only chance for David Harris. He wrestled with being forthright about his race. After all, with his light skin, wavy hair, and green eyes, he could pass for white. But Harris was determined to fly airplanes and to fly those planes as a black male pilot, even though in 1964, black men were not commercial airline pilots. This is the story Michael Cottman tells in Segregated Skies, David Harris's trailblazing journey to rise above racial barriers. And Michael Cottman joins us on Perspectives. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning author and currently serves as program editor for the NBC Universal News Group's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion team for their many platforms, including NBC, MSNBC, and CNBC. He formerly served as editorial manager for NBC Black, and has also worked as a reporter for the Washington Post, Newsday, and the Miami Herald, among others. Michael Kopman, welcome to Perspectives.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be here.
0: Thank you. I shared a little bit about you and are open, but I know that you and the story that we're talking about have a very special connection to Atlanta. Let's start there.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm a proud alum of Clark Atlanta University. Um, Called it Clark College back then, so I'm dating myself a little bit, right? Um, But I started my career at the Atlanta Daily World. Uh, proud to do it and had a, um, a, a very, very wonderful uh, beginning of my career in the city of Atlanta. Um, I had some excellent um, journalism professors that I still keep in touch with to this day uh, through Clark. Um, had the uh, great occasion to, to meet and work with uh, C.A. Scott and Mr. W.A. Scott, Portia. And uh, so, you know what, the, the Scott family, and they, they taught me a lot, they taught me a lot about journalism. Um, about covering neighborhoods, uh, telling stories about people who can't talk for themselves, couldn't tell stories for themselves, to uplift the disenfranchised. And um, years later, dating myself again, I'm still doing it and uh, doing it in large part of what I learned uh, at Clark at Atlanta University and through my um, experiences working at the Atlanta Daily World.
0: Tell us, how did you become aware of David Harris and his amazing story?
1: Back to Atlanta, of. <laughs> so, so several years ago, I'm visiting Atlanta. I'm visiting my um, aunts uh, who live in Atlanta family and decided to also look up a dear friend who I hadn't spoken with in a while. And I just wanted to connect with her. Uh, her name is Lynn May. She's in the book. Uh, formidable woman herself in her own right who has her own book and story to tell. Um, former PBS anchor uh, invited me over. We're just chatting. In the process of the conversation, she says, hey, have you heard of David Harris? I said, no, I haven't. Um, Who is he? She says, well, he's had tremendous accomplishments in his life. um, And he's the first black commercial airline pilot, first black pilot hired by a major commercial airline. You should meet him. I said, well, fine. Um, She gave me his number He said, why don't you call him? Could be a good magazine story for you, Michael, she said. Or it's just good to connect with good people. And I I get that, right? So I'm happy to call. So I did. So I figured kind of as we talked five, 10 minutes, I mean, you know what I mean, kind of get to know each other and kind of keep it moving. We talked for more than two hours. David told me all about his life, about his career uh, in aviation, becoming a pilot. How he first wanted to be a veterinarian, but that didn't work out. So it's yes, another story. So plan B was aviation, um, and then started telling me a little bit about his um, obstacles in his life, um, trying to become this pilot. Um, so um, I was intrigued, to say the least. Um, it seemed like someone I had known for years right, Um, wise um, um, elder uncle. And so um, I I got off the phone, called Lynn immediately, thanked her, but then I called my agent and then called my editor at National Geographic and shared that story. And they immediately embraced it with thoughtful enthusiasm. They were very excited. Asked me immediately, what are the next steps? When can we see some pages, (laughs) you know? And uh, the rest, pardon the pun, is history. But it started in told, a, but it started in Atlanta.
0: And as you told the publisher, I just met the man. We had a great conversation.
1: Exactly. But,
0: How open was David Harris to sharing his story with you beyond just having a conversation when good people get to talk?
1: Extremely. and, and I will I will tell you in part because Lynn had already made a call on my behalf. David is a very humble and a very thoughtful and very open person anyway. Um, but a lot of what he shared, as you can imagine is in the book was, some of it was deeply painful and deeply personal. And so he told me, and we talked about that and what you're asking is a very, very important question. And he said, part of the reason why I'm open to talking to you and sharing with you things that I haven't talked to about people in years is because Lynn said that you're a good guy, that you, you're, that you can trust him, that you're a good writer, that you're accurate, that you, you'll get things right and that you're compassionate. And, um, and I appreciated that. And so, um, if if not for Lynn, uh, I'm I'm not saying I wouldn't have been able to do the book. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, but would he have been as open early on? I'm I'm not I'm not sure. And and you know better than anybody, it's those early interviews, right? Those early discussions that set the tone right for the rest of the project. So um, so I went to visit him. He was in South Carolina at the time. He now lives in Atlanta, uh, but he was in South Carolina then. So I was traveling back and forth to South Carolina uh, because um. David's a real personable um, um, individual doesn't like really talking on the phone that much, you know, won't use zoom I get it, you know, and uh, so he's in his 80s now right? 87. Right, so he wants to lay eyes on you, I, I get that right so what's it to me to hop on a plane and go to South Carolina I'm happy to do it.
0: In this book you're very cognizant of language, and you use words that might cause some readers. To bristle especially young readers which is the the target audience for this book that's been published by your people at national geographic can you talk about that decision
1: yeah we had a we have a note about language in the front of the book i thought I thought it was an important kind of us to put that in there because there are some harsh words and harsh language in the book what we want young readers to understand is it's not harsh language for the sake of harsh language there's a purpose it's a purpose for every word and we use those words on a number of occasions But it's purposeful, and it's uh, the 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 comments and the words and the language kind of are quotes in many cases from David or from people um, who communicated with David and who would say harsh words. Uh, So they're quotations um, as David remembers them. So we're not just you know throwing in this language um, uh, just because we feel that it would have impact. We, We feel that it's instructive, that young readers need to understand the time in history that this transpired, which, which was 1960s civil rights movement, Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, um, racial uh, unrest, uh, riots. I mean, this was, a, this was a tough time to be a Black man trying to enter corporate America and become the first pilot, Black pilot. And I want to say just real quickly, parenthetically, David didn't intend to set out to, to break, uh, to, to make history. He kind of said he just wanted to get into, a, you know, move into a, 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 a good career, provide for his family, put food on the table, raise two daughters, um, be supportive to his wife. I mean, that's all he wanted. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying you know, to cause uh, what he, he says in other people's commotion. You know, um, he, he, he didn't have to take on, you know, this uh, racial discrimination and, and obstacles in his life. Right. But he just wanted to be a pilot. And he said, I'm good at it. and I'm going to do it.
0: What about Davis, David Harris's upbringing contributed to his resilience and pointed him in this direction of wanting to be a pilot, first in the Air Force, before it was really the Air Force, and then later for a commercial airline?
1: I think because um, he came from a family who um, understood that he was going to go to college, um, who uh, understood, who put him on a, on a, on a path. Um, to say, let's talk about a, a, a career choice. Um, he decided to go to the military. I think that was very important because he knew that in the military and in the Air Force, and like you said before, they're calling to the Air Force, um, that he would uh, learn to fly, fly planes. So he, he was trained on the B-52 bomber, right, which was huge then. And there were very few black pilots being trained on the B-52 bombers back then. So David had a tremendous amount Condis, of, of, of aviation experience when he left the, the, the military. But it all started, I believe, as he talks about with his family, right, who put him on that path to say, you can be successful in life. you know, And we're going to help equip you with the tools to do that.
0: What inspired his passion for aviation?
1: I think freedom. I, I think that um, he always talks about how he loves being in the sky, um, that he loves the feeling of flight. Um, and I think that gives him, I, I do really think that gives him a, a sense of 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 emotional freedom, um, and physical freedom, in, in, in some ways as well. He loves the mechanics of aviation. Um, he loves the physics of flying, um, and he'll talk to you about that in great detail about the physics of, of getting you know this this big chunk of steel off the ground right and into the air at thirty thousand feet. It's quite phenomenal when you think about it, right? And here's this guy, you know, in a small cockpit with gripping a yoke, right? Who's you know guiding this you know big steel tube you know in the air at, at great heights? He he he, he loves that. Um, he also loves serving people, and he talks about that about you know making sure people get safely from destination to destination. People who are going to weddings or funerals, or you know to visit old friends, or to see a sick loved one, or you know to, um, college reunions. You know people traveling up. He he loves getting people there, and just to give you an illustration of who this man is, um, he tells a story about a flight attendant once who comes into the cockpit and tells David uh, about a passenger who was terrified uh, to fly. Um, and but she has to. There's a, a, an event that she has to get to, a family uh, obligation. I can't remember exactly what it is, but she had to fly too far to drive. He needed to get there, but was terrified. So David leaves the cockpit, walks in the back into coach, talks to her, and starts to tell her about all of the redundant safety features of the aircraft to keep her safe, right? And then he says, you know what? Let me just show you. Takes her to the cockpit, right? Shows the instruments, right? She is completely relaxed now. She goes back, long story short, she has a great flight and she and you know he says goodbye to her and she had a wonderful flight. But what that taught me, and I learned was he's telling me that story. Number one, who does that? <laughs> Pilots don't do that anymore. You know, so it's, it's his compassion, you know, for people to make sure that of all the passengers on there, there was just one passenger, you know, who didn't want to fly, was a bit, bit terrified. Well, he could have just said, okay, well, that's just one person, right? Let me just keep it moving. But he didn't. And th- that shows me a lot about his, his character and about his integrity and compassion.
0: Yeah, important to care. What kind of stories did he tell you about dealing with the adversity of being a black male pilot, especially at a time when there was such great turmoil in the country and this perception among people who were not black that surely a black man isn't smart enough to learn how to pull a yoke and fly an airplane.
1: You're you're right. Um, One very um, troubling story um, that he shares is um, in 1968, uh, he was um, landing a plane at National Airport And he looks out at his his windows, his left seat, he's a captain now, and he sees fires in the distance. I believe that the air traffic control tower, I believe, let him know that the fires were uh, from racial unrest, riots in in Washington, D.C. at the time. And so David looks out the window, sees this, um, and is doing what pilots do. I mean, his first mission, right, is to land the plane safely with these um, 100, 150, however, people on board. Well, he's flying with a a white co-pilot that he didn't know, and he's flying for the first time. This pilot um, begins to, and I need to tell you this, that one of David's role models, and I mean main role models in life, has been Dr. Martin Luther King, as as for many of us. And this white uh, co-pilot begins to use um, derogatory words about Martin Luther King, and then implies that he was comfortable with him being assassinated. Now, David's trying to land this aircraft, right? Wheels down. I mean, just, just picture it. Wheels down, trying to land, trying to stay focused, right? Um, seeing the fires in the background, knowing that there's you know, disturbance going on. And then next to him is this bigot who is disparaging his role model. So what to do? How does he handle that situation? And he asks himself these questions. You know, do I grab this guy? Do I, I mean, what do I do? Do I yell at him? But my first mission is to land the plane. But here's a word that I used to describe that moment, restraint. This is a life lesson for young readers who read this book, restraint. He had choice words for him once he landed, right? Talked to management, never flew with him again and told him so and told management. But at that moment, right, he, he was focused on the mission ahead. And for many of us, this transcends um, aviation, right? It's about how to manage adversity, how to move past adversity, how to keep focused and stay positive.
0: In his story, he is very strong and determined in all of his interviews and all of his interactions with people who are not Black to let them know he is a Black man. Mm. Though by appearance, he could have passed and been perceived as not. Why did he tell you that was so important to him?
1: He told me that he did not want to take a job passing for white that he is a proud black man that he has a legacy comes from a proud black family had an obligation to other black pilots who come behind him and had an obligation because of the tuskegee airmen who came before him he talked about standing on the shoulders of the tuskegee Airmen, right to get to where to accomplish what he has accomplished so he said that when he went to american airlines which was the last stop by the way because he had been rejected by all others (laughs) And um, he did something that I thought was phenomenal and I thought was incredibly courageous. And he told the, the recruiter who's white at American Airlines, that I'm a black man. Now, he may use the word, have used the word Negro back then, but to let them know that I'm black, I'm a man of color, and I just want you to know that. He said he was stunned by the reaction of the white recruiter. He says the recruiter chuckled a little bit and just said, look, I don't care if you're black, white, or chartreuse, can you fly an airplane? I thought you are true. That cracked me up. And it, it, can you fly a plane? And David says, "Well, yeah, I can fly a plane." And, and the guy says, "You know what? That's all I care about." So, in some ways, kind of yes, David was cr- courageous, and I'm so glad he did that. I'm so proud of him. But you know what? We have to say American Airlines took a you know took a great chance too and did something courageous, right? In a, in a way, we can say that. Um, they could have, they could have passed too when these two were passed, they could have decided that, that rejected him, but they hired him and David went on to serve. It was a great decision that they made because he went on to serve, like Lynn said, with a very distinguished career over 30 years, you know, with American airlines, bringing other black pilots along with him. And that's the other point I just want to make that David talks about as he climbs that rung, steps up the ladder that he reaches down and pulls somebody up with him.
0: Important for him to pay it forward. Yes. In this book, you also wrangle a number of other leaders to share, whether it be the forward to the book uh, from this, the, the Sisters in the Sky or the first Black woman in space. And I mean, you've really 360'd his story and propelled it forward so that young readers see all of the opportunities that lie before them today.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought that was important. Um... You, you, you know, th- there may be young kids out here who think that they cannot be aviators, right? That they can't move into the aviation industry or whatever. And let's, I'm just talking aviation because that's what the book's about, but whatever kids want to do. So I want them to know, and in particular too, if you notice that the, uh, the Ford and the afterwards, it's no coincidence, coincidence that those are two black women too, mm-hmm. you know, that I want people, I don't want people to look at this and say, this is a male story. It's not. Right, I want them to know that that's why Lynn's a big part of this book his ex-wife. Right, that there's a strong, formidable, brilliant (laughs) woman woman who was next to David during his entire career. And David will say, if there was no Lynn, there's no me. David couldn't do this by himself because he had no role models. There were no other black pilots to turn to to figure out how do I navigate this. So who did he turn to? Lynn, his wife, who was with him every step of the way. And that's why I also wanted the two sisters and the forward of the book, both pilots uh, to write, uh, write this uh, forward in the opening. They both know David. They're, um, David's their mentors. David is a mentor to them. David is a mentor to many black um, male and female pilots in America. And these are just two of them. And I thought that it was important for them, uh, for their voice uh, to, to be um, added to the book and also David's daughters there in the book as well. So I thought it was important that their voices right, be heard as well.
0: I like how you did that because as you were talking, I was thinking, and yes, David is also a girl dad. And in today's vernacular, that is something that is very, very important.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: When he began to fly commercially, getting on an airplane was a really big deal. Not like it is today where folks show up any kind of way to fly. Did you guys at all talk about how his over the course of his 30 year career with the airline how it changed and how it became more relaxed and more accessible to you know not just him as being the leader in the cockpit but for the rest of us who were either flying you know in coach and or first class
1: he, he did yeah he, he did he did talk about that um things got got, got better david um I, I should say i should have mentioned this earlier that david did spend some time at american airlines with um american airlines officials to, to work on hiring uh, black male and female pilots. Um, he felt strong about that and not just men. And I, I do I want to emphasize that because David has emphasized it to me. He wants to see black pilots in there, men and women. And um, and he's, he's such a proponent of that. And I love that about him. And so, um, so because of David's efforts, and I don't want to say just all David's efforts, but American as well, obviously. Um, so there have been more black pilots uh, coming through um, American Airlines. He's happy about that. Um, not as many as, as he would like. And we're still and, and, and the, the uh, kind of the, the important thing also about this book is the timing. I mean, D- David's story and talking about a black man in the workplace back then in corporate America is as important now as it was then 30 years ago. Right? We're still dealing with a lot of the dis- racial discrimination issues um, everywhere. So, um, so th- th- that's one thing I wanna say. But just quickly, um, David is um, someone who doesn't, won't rest <laughs> until he feels right, that this corporate workforce is diverse. And that is one of his main missions and has been over, over decades, diversity in the workplace.
0: Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And I love how this is a book for for younger readers. In your conversations and interviews, did you guys talk at all about the current racial reckoning and drive for diversity, equity, and inclusion that that exists today?
1: Absolutely. We've had some long conversations about that um, after George Floyd was murdered um, with uh, uh, Black men racial profiling, Black women racial profiling, Black men, Black women being shot and killed. Um, unarmed, unnecessarily. Um, We've talked about the importance of David um, talking to young kids about what it's like to be Black in America, um, but to stand up for yourself, um, to get a good education. And I know these things sound cliche, but it's so important, right? Um, And to not give up and to not give up on dreams and to not let racism stunt you that to understand it's there, um, to to speak out against it when necessary, right? But not to use it as a crutch to limit what you wanna do in life. And that is an important life lesson because David could have quit at any time. And some people may have said, that's okay. You don't deserve that, get out right? But he didn't.
0: And it would have been easy for him to do that as he's starting his career less than 10 years after the lynching of Emmett Till, seeking to be a pilot in corporate America uh, with everything that was going on. Is that the takeaway that both you and David Harris want from readers of this book? And while we've we've noted that it is a book that is targeted at, at, at young adults, it's an easy read and a great story for any adult to read.
1: I'm so happy you said that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, one, one of the takeaways for everybody, I think, uh, if you would ask David this, too, is um, perseverance, uh, tenacity, um, remaining positive, you know, in, in, in the face of adversity. And that's hard. That's not that's not an easy thing. I'm a work in progress on that myself. You know, but David encourages me. He's an inspiration. And so I feel kind of if you ask me, David is an American hero. Right. And it transcends race. Doesn't, th- th- doesn't matter to anybody black, white, Latino, Asian, anybody should be able to r- relate to this story. And hopefully the David's story resonates with them and uplifts them as well, because that's what we want in this book. We want people to feel uplifted, empowered, and in- inspired.
0: And it's a wonderful read. The book is Segregated Skies, David Harris's Trailblazing Journey to Rise Above Racial Barriers. The author is the Pulitzer Prize winner, Michael H. kotman Michael, appreciate you. Love the ties to Atlanta. Thank you Thank so much you. for your time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I'd hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condas Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condas? C-O-N-D-A. C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this same time as we explore new
1: perspectives.